we've been doing this series called The Ten. The Ten. It's, real, it's all about the Ten Commandments, but in reverse. And we've been making way through, uh, through this. And, um, and I was just thinking, I really admire people who have uh, a, a Jesus bumper sticker on their cars. Anybody got a Jesus or Christian bumper sticker on their cars? I really admire them. Um, the reason why I admire them is because I can't have one on my car. And, and, and uh, I used to have one in my, in my earlier days. I used to have one until I got convicted by the Holy Spirit because I was a bad witness. And uh, I don't know if you probably have no idea what I'm talking about here. I was a bad witness as a driver because everyone who knows me, you, you know, everyone knows me knows that I'm, I'm, I'm slow to anger, very slow to anger. But something happens when I get behind a wheel. You guys have no idea what I'm talking about. I know that. It's probably it's really foreign. But, but I would like to say that, but I've been working really hard for the last few, for a long time. I've been working really hard. And I think I am ready to get a Christian bumper sticker on my car. I think I'm ready because I'm thinking I'm pretty good. I think I'm really good. And maybe, maybe I'll start off with uh, the symbol of a, the Christian fish. Christian fish. Because the symbol of the Christian fish, like back in ancient times, in ancient times, right, the early Christians, back when they were persecuted, they'll have the symbol, which was a secret symbol for Christians. And Christians gather here. So I figure, I'll put this on my car because if I'm a bad witness, no one else will know but Christians. So hopefully when they see me do something wrong, that they're, they're praying for me. And that's what I hope they're doing when they're muttering in their car. I'm hoping they're praying. Look at this. This person, they're a Christian, but Lord, I pray for them. You know, hopefully that's what they're doing. And so well, it's about like, I didn't really bear God's name, but I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to, to get one on my car. So here's our countdown. Number 10, do not covet. Number nine, do not testify falsely. Number eight, do not steal. Number seven, do not commit adultery. Number six, do not murder. Number five, honor your parents. I was just thinking, we're all going to know the Ten Commandments off by heart, like, because, you know, I saw this kind of meme where um, they asked people on the street, could you name, um, name the Ten Commandments? People were, people were struggling. And they said, oh, could you name ten beer brands? And they were just naming them like this. You know, so hopefully you'll know this more than a beer brand. Okay. And so number four, remember the Sabbath. And here we go. Number three is bearing God's name. Bearing God's name. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will, will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. You know, in, in one dictionary, when you look up the name Jesus in this dictionary, uh, it, it says that Jesus is an exclamation or surprise and, and a dismay. And then the second entry on, in this dictionary, that he is also the founder of this religion called Christianity. In other words, according to this dictionary, Jesus is to be understood as a common expletive as well as a founder of Christianity. And I find that absolutely shocking that the name of our Savior who laid down his life for you and me is used as an expletive word on people's lips, where our, our Lord's name is used in vain. And so when we look at this command, you may be surprised to know that that's not actually what this command means. It doesn't actually what it means. In fact, it's more nuanced than that. It's, it's more than just that, that we, let us not use the Lord's name as a cuss word, right? It's more than that. It's more nuanced than that. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. In Hebrew, the word for, for this word take, we say do not, you shall not take. In Hebrew, it's the word nasar. Everyone say nasar. This word nasar, it means to take up, to lift, to bear, or to carry. 
to carry. And that's what it is. You shall not carry, you shall not carry the Lord's name, and you shall not carry the name of the Lord your God in vain. Do not carry it in vain. Do not bear it in vain. And that's what this word means. And help you to remember this Hebrew word, Nasa, think of NASA. What does NASA do? They lift up spacecraft to the moon. NASA, NASA, to, to lift up, to take up, to carry. And this is what this word means. So the third commandment is not a command about what we say verbally. This commandment is not what we say verbally, but rather how we act and behave as God's name bearer. That's, so how do we act and behave? Because if you're calling yourself a follower of Jesus, a follower of Christian, are you, how's your behavior and your action? Are you taking his name in vain by the way that, that, you, that you present yourself? How, you resent, how, you, how are you a good witness to your family? Because if, a, if church becomes optional to you, then it becomes unnecessary for your children. Right? Oh, well, I'll see how we go. Maybe we'll go this son, maybe not. And as your children get older, well, it's just an option. Just optional. Or, or actually, it's irrelevant. Why should I go? I mean, how's your driving? How's your driving? Right? How's your driving? How are you on? Is your belief consistent with your behavior? Is your belief consistent with your behavior? How is your language? How is your language? I mean, we're consist consistently bombarded with profanity from films, from our friends, from social media, from colleagues. And, and, and so it kind of comes in unintentionally and becomes part of our own vocabulary. But when we say what we please, does what we say please God? When we say what we please, does what we say please God? And we're just too compromising when it comes to profanity. So compromising. We'll say, well, it really doesn't bother me. But according to Scripture, it bothers God. It doesn't bother you, but it bothers God. Whose name do you bear? Whose name are you carrying? We're bearing God's name. You know, when we look within the Old Testament, and we and in fact, Jews to this day, if, um, within Judaism, they, they do not use, they, they do not say God's personal name, Yahweh. They won't say his name. They won't say, in fact, instead of saying Yahweh, they will say Hashem. They will say Hashem. Hashem in Hebrew means the name. So when referring to Yahweh, they'll go, they'll say the name, Hashem. Because throughout scripture, throughout scripture, whenever you see the name, the name is, is, is described as the presence of God. So when you say the name, the name is, is the presence of God. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 5 says this. But this is Moses. He's, he's, he's speaking to the people. But you shall seek the place that Yahweh your God will choose out of all of your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. So once you enter in the land that Yahweh is going to give you, okay, now look amongst the tribes and choose a place. Choose a place and put Yahweh's name there. Put his name there and his, so his habitation will be there. Now, God wasn't talking about writing his name on a building or on a town. He's not talking about that. He's referring to, when, to um, for where the tabernacle and ultimately the temple was going to be stationed. But he wasn't talking about writing Yahweh on the temple either. In fact, you can't find that anywhere in Scripture. Rather, God was talking about the place where he would choose to meet Israel personally, where his very presence would be. Hashem, the name, his personal presence. And this is what this word name. And so when they ever, so every time uh, Jewish people refer to God's presence, they will say Hashem, Hashem, the name, the name. And so when Jesus arrives on the scene, he, 
he, he, comes on, he comes and he starts acting and he starts behaving like he's Yahweh. And so when we read Scripture, the New Testament writers, they begin to describe Jesus with the same manner they would describe Yahweh within the Old Testament. Like, for instance, let's have a look at Acts chapter 5, verse 41. This is what, this is what the writers say. They, they, then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were count worthy to suffer dishonor for Hashem, for the name. They don't say in the name of Jesus, well, you know, we, for, the, for honor, that we can, we can share to suffer this dishonor for, for, for the name of Jesus. They say Hashem, for his name. Because the New Testament believers, that they're now assigning Hashem to Jesus. Why are they assigning Hashem to Jesus? Because Jesus is the presence of God. He is the name. He is Hashem. 3 John, the, in fact, uh, the third letter of John. So there's, there's the Gospel of John, and then John writes three letters that we see in our Gospels. And in, in the third letter, in verse 7, John writes this. For they have gone out for the sake of the name. They've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. So John doesn't use the phrase, in Jesus' name, or the name of Jesus. He simply says, for the sake of the name. Why this phrase? Why this phrase? See, John isn't trying to be cryptic. He's actually drawing on this Old Testament expression. So, so when understood within this, its original context, and, and in the context of the other writings of John, he uses this word. It's a powerful statement that Jesus is the name. He is Hashem. It's a very Jewish way to say that Jesus is God. It's a very Jewish way to say that Jesus is Yahweh. So how are you bearing the Lord's name? How are, you, how are you bearing the name of Jesus in your life? How are you representing Jesus? Because whose name do you want to bear? Because according to Scripture, there's another name that you can bear. You can choose to bear Jesus' name, or you can choose to bear the anti-name. Scripture talks about this anti-name, and this anti-name is very enticing. Very enticing, this anti-name. You've got your Bible similar with me to Revelation chapter 13, verse 16. It says, Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is... And there's been lots of movies made on it. Six, 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 right? What's really interesting is that the mark of the beast is not about a number, but it's about the anti-name. It's an anti-name. Verse 17, going back into it, so, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of the name. We get fixated on the number. We get, our focus just goes to this number. But it's not actually about the number. It's about, it's about carrying the name, the anti-name. It's a metaphor about who do you align yourself with? Because you get to choose. You get to choose who you want to align yourself with. You get to choose who do, you, who do you represent. You get to choose. Do you represent Jesus or do you represent the beast? Do you nasa Jesus or do you nasa 
the beast. And, and what I love about when you, when you read difficult scripture, if you find a difficult passage in the Bible, it's really good to use scripture to interpret scripture. And so when we take a look at this, because the name or the mark is not something that is externally put on you. It's not an external thing. It's not something that, so, so we've got, oh, it's this kind of, this microchip or whatever, or this kind of barcode. Or, 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 and it's not even something that, it's not even talking about something that, that goes inside of you. It's not talking about that at, at all. Um, this is what Jesus said. Je- Jesus says, Jesus said, it is not what, what comes in that makes you unclean. It's not what comes in that makes you unclean, but what comes out of your heart. It's not what comes in, but it's what comes out of your heart. Jesus is saying, hey, you know, to be, if, if you want me to be honest, it's already in your heart. It's already there. I'm just highlighting it. And he goes on and said, the, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The overflow of the heart. So what comes out of your mouth is describing what's going on in your heart. What's, your, what's, your, what's coming out of your, of your mouth? Describing what comes in, what's coming out of your heart. So what's inside your heart reveals the name that you carry. What's inside your heart reveals the name Harry. So Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is, the, uh, is we find the most sacred prayer within Judaism. The Jews will pray this prayer three times a day. We think of Daniel. If you're familiar with Daniel, he's there praying, and they kind of trick him, and, they, and he gets thrown into the lion's den because he's praying. He's supposed to be praying only to the king, but he's praying to Yahweh. Well, he's praying this prayer. And this prayer is called the Shema. The Shema means to listen or to hear. That's what Shema means. Listen or to hear. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, Shema, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. Looking at that because I realize I haven't got my capital letters for the Lord there. I'm saying it's not capitalized there. That means it's not capitalized there. So the capital is for the Lord because it's Yahweh. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh our God. Yahweh is our God. Yahweh is our Elohim. Yahweh is one. Love Yahweh, your Elohim, with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength. Verse 8, and we're going to go down to verse 8. Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Tie them as a symbol of your hands and bind them on your foreheads. If you go to Israel or maybe to Jerusalem, you might see some Orthodox Jews and they've got some phylacteries tied to their foreheads. And this is it's from the Shema. It's from the Shema. And, and, and so where else have we heard something about your, on, on, your, your hands and, and your forehead? Oh, Revelations. Guess who, who wrote Revelation? It's John. John wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote three letters, and he wrote the book of Revelation. John the Revelator is also known as. And John is he's hyperlinking to the Shema. John is hyperlinking back to the Shema. So when you're reading this about, about the mark of the beast, the name of the beast, he's hoping you're, you're hyperlinking this back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Because God told Israel that the Shema was, was to be as a sign on your hand and on your forehead in order to remind them of their loyalty to Hashem, their loyalty to the name, right? The forehead represents the ideological commitment and the hand, the practical outworking of that commitment. The mark of, of the name of the beast is the anti-Shema. So what does it mean for us today? It, mean, it means whose name do you Nassar? What do you carry in your heart? Because what you carry comes out in your thinking. And then it gets outworked with your hands. Because what you carry 
comes out in your thinking and the outworking of your hands. Whatever you're doing, is it bringing glory to God or is it, being, or is it giving glory to the beast? What's your, what's your thinking? What's going on? This is what this whole, whole idea of the, of the hand and the forehead, and, and this is, ties it all together. Ties it, it brings it all together. The third commandment is not a command about what we say verbally, but rather how we act and behave as God's name bearers. That's what this third command is all about. Whose name do you carry? Who do you represent? Whose name do you bear? See, when you carry the name, you love your neighbor as yourself. When you nasar the name, you are aware of the need that is around you. Because what's inside your heart reveals the name that you carry. Because there is power in the name. There is power in Hashem. That's why Paul says in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, he says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Amen? So that at the name of Jesus, Hashem, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. See, in the name you have freedom. In the name, you have true peace. In the name, you are loved. In the name, you are accepted. See, as, as a teenager, I believed that I, I was a Christian, right? I grew up in the church until I became a man and I knew everything and I stopped going to church and that was at the age of 13. I refused to go to church, and I, and I grew up, on, and unfortunately, I grew up at home. I didn't have a father figure, so it didn't matter what I did. And, uh, and sometimes it's very hard to, to control a teenage boy when there's no father figure in the house. And I saw no relevance for the church in my life. You know why? Because I saw, when people I saw, they just saw, they saw church as an option. If church is an option, therefore it's irrelevant, right? And this is what I saw. I saw people who live for God on a Sunday, but they live like hell every other day. So I was like, well, if they could do it, I could do it too. And so, so this is how I lived as a teenager growing up in Mangare, hanging out with my mates, getting up to all sorts of things. That all changed when I was about 15, going on 16. And uh, when I was about 15, going on 16, what, what I would do, I would play sports, and then I'll party hard with the boys after your sports game. And and you, just, and you just go all night. And I, I remember one night after partying with the boys, it was time for me to go home. It was after midnight. So I was about 15, about to turn 16. And, and I was, and I was realizing, oh my gosh, it's after midnight, it's Saturday night. I figured I better go home because my grandmother, I don't want my grandmother to worry. So I'll, I'll leave to go home. And, and this is in Mangere. If you know Mangere, Mangere is a big place. And so I was on one end of Mangere and I have to walk home. And it was a 30-minute walk to get to my house. Right? And so I walk across Mangare, and there's this, there's this big park in Mangare. It's called the David Longy Park before they built a motorway through it. And so it's, it's still a big park. And uh, I knew if I crossed through this park, it would save 10 minutes on my journey, on my walk home. But for whatever reason, I just kind of felt like, go the long way. So I go the long way, go home, go to sleep. And in the morning, it's Sunday, I get woken up by a phone call, and I get, my mom's banging on my door. Get up, get up. It's like you know, 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh my gosh, it's so early banging my door, and I opened. I had to, back in those days, you have to walk to the phone because they're attached to a wall. Back in, some of you might not understand this. 
And then I grab the hand, and there's this little twirly thing on it. And it's connected to this thing. And I have to, I was going, hello? <laughs> you know, back in the old days, when you used to actually answer the phone. And uh, it's, my, it's my friends, and they're, and they're worried. Oh, man, now answer, we're just making sure you're okay. I was going, what's wrong? And I was going, man, someone got killed in the park last night. I was going, what? Because a teenage boy got killed in the park. We, we later find out that, that uh, this kid, um, he was a year younger than me. I was 15. He was 14. He got stabbed in the park, crossing through the same time I was going to cross through. And it's a sad story because I, 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 for whatever reason, I was thinking, at that moment, I realized that could have been me. And here's the thing. I knew that if I died, I was going to hell. I don't know why I knew that. I was thinking, you know what? My, the, what I'm doing isn't good. And, I, and, it's, and things started to change. I may have thought, you know what? I'm a Christian. I'm all good. I knew at that moment, nothing's all good. Nothing's all good. See, someone wrote this. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would there be enough evidence to convict you? It's, it's, it's not enough to say that you are a Christian. Because what you carry comes out in your thinking and the outworking of your hands. Whose name do you carry? Who do you represent? Whose name do you bear? See, I can build my life on the name that cannot be shaken by any storm. The name has the power Defeat and uproot every lie in my life. The name has the final say of what happens to me in this season. The name has divine power to demolish every stronghold and defeat every devil. There is power in the name. There is power in Hashem. Well, that doesn't apply to me because I've been divorced. Well, that doesn't apply to me because I've got addictions. Well, that doesn't apply for me because my life is so messed up. I'm here to tell you, if God could, can do it for Paul, who called himself the sin of all sinners, then he sure enough can do it for you. And he sure enough can do it for me. That's why the apostle Paul said that anyone who calls upon the name will be saved because there is power in the name. There is power in Hashem. What's inside your heart reveals the name Harry. Let us pray. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you that you saved us at the right time. And, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that there are people that are praying for us. And I thank you, Lord, that even when I reflect upon that, upon that night, and I thank you that, there was a, that I had a grandmother who was praying for me during that time. And, I, and I, Lord, I just pray for, Lord, may this encourage people in this room, Lord, to be praying for their children that may have kind of gone off track. But, Lord, I, I'm, I'm praying for the protocol right here, right now the prodigal child, the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter. Father, if they're heading in a direction that leads to destruction, Lord, I just pray, Lord, may you turn them around and bring them home. Father, I pray for every single one of us in this room, Lord, may we become a good witness for you. Lord, may this be an opportunity where we can begin to reflect and look at our life and get closer and move closer to who you are. Because the more we, 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 we draw near to you, the more we, we reflect you. The more we draw away from you, Lord, the more we don't reflect you. Father, I pray, Lord, that you continue to be number one in our life, in my thinking, in my speech. And whenever I slip up, Lord, may I continue to draw near to you. Because when I draw near to you, 
Father, you draw near to me. Thank you, Lord. I know things aren't going to be always perfect in my life, but thank you that I'm not alone on my journey. So, Lord, I give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Come on, give me a hand for the Lord wherever you are. Praise God.